0: Welcome to The Readings Podcast, a fortnightly celebration of books. In today's episode, theater maker Lachlan Philpot talks to Kirsty Everett, who was going to be an Olympic gymnast. Then, at age nine, she was diagnosed with leukemia, and when her cancer returned at age 16, she knew that she had to give life everything that she could. Kirsty's memoir, Honey Blood, is the story of the life that she lived instead of the one that she'd planned. Now, before we start, a quick reminder, as this is a recording of an event held live via the internet, there has been some impact on the sound quality of the episode. And now, here's the host of the event, Readings Programming Manager, Chris Gordon.
1: Good evening, everyone. Hello, my name is Christine Gordon. I am the Programming Manager for Readings. I would like to introduce you to the wonderful Kirsty, who is going to be joined any moment by quite an extraordinary bloke, Lachlan Philpott. Now, Lachlan, for those that don't know, is the type of person that has had, first of all, let me me just backtrack. Imagine every theatre in Australia, imagine all of the theatres across this beautiful country. Lachlan has had a play that he's written or directed in pretty much all of them. He is a theatre writer, a director, a teacher, and tonight he is going to be in conversation with our very wonderful guest tonight Kirsty Everett. Lachlan over to you my friend over to you.
2: Thank you so much Christine. Hi. Um and hi Kirsty. We we chatted a little bit before. Um but it's so so lovely to be able to have the opportunity to talk to you and to talk to you about um, this amazing book. Um can you um can you talk to it, tell tell us all um first of all what what led you to write the book and uh what's the process of writing it been like
3: so uh, the very first time that i thought about writing the book i was 17 years old and i was dying of cancer it was the second time that i'd had cancer and at the time i thought I should probably write some stories just for my friends, my family, because I think I'm not going to be here for much longer. Um, And then, obviously, I'm still here. Um, And I got on with life. Um, And then as I got older, there were a lot of things that happened. Um, My childhood was quite unconventional. And a lot of those memories kind of they they seem to keep hovering around me, um, and an opportunity came up at uh, the New South Wales Writers Centre um, where you could send in. I think you had to write fifty pages of you know uh, you know you could write whatever you want. I think, and I just thought, oh okay, I'm gonna write fifty pages. I didn't expect to hear anything back. Um, I wrote it really late at night and I heard back from them and they said, oh, you've you've actually got something quite good. Um, These are the classes that we have here. There's a mentor if you want to talk to her. And then I thought, okay, let's do it. Like I've been wanting to do this. All these stories are like I'm walking around with them in my head. It would be really nice to put them in a book and perhaps, you know, help them like use them for something helpful rather than just being these things that are always kind of um lingering in the back of my mind. And so here I am.
2: <laughs> uh, and it's such a it's such an extraordinary book because it, um I think of the of the, the detail and the honesty uh, that you go in, that you go into about so many things in relation to your your two bouts with leukemia, but but it also must have been very hard to to go back and re, relive and re, write about those things. Was it, or am I making an assumption that maybe it was cathartic?
3: No, no. Usually people say assumptions the mother of all stuff ups. So I heard someone say that, but in yeah. this case, you you're, you're you're not stuffing up at all it was really hard um there were certain things that uh especially the moments that are really sad or where you know physically I was in a lot of pain or was writing about you know losing a friend um and so I had to sort of sit down and go okay I want the writing to be really good but hang on a minute I have all these emotions I need to scoop all the emotions up put them in a box somewhere for the moment and then try to make the writing good. But obviously everyone knows when you try and put emotions away, like they even want to force themselves back, you know, they they, they kind of have a way of taking over. So it was this ongoing battle of make the writing good, like don't let the emotion, like you've got to kind of keep a bit of a balance here. Um, and there were times with certain chapters where, I would work on them, and then for three days after, I would have the worst migraine. Um, some of the writing gave me like nosebleeds. Like I actually had a physical reaction to writing some of the more about some of more the like intense things. Um, so yeah, it, it was like it wasn't just an intellectual thing. It was like my whole body actually knew what I was writing about. It was really strange. Yeah
2: there's there's a lot being spoken about it uh, how the body stores trauma and how you know it's kept stored in different parts of the body. so it sounds like that's certainly um, the, the case for you when you think of the writing process how long did it take you to actually get the, get the book to a place where you were really happy with it?
3: Um, <laughs> I I think I spent about two and a half years just writing stuff and getting it down. And then I reached a point where I thought I need someone who knows what they're doing um, to have a look at this because I need to know if it's any good um, because I thought I, I would like it to be published. Like that was the ultimate dream. But I, I also was being really sick thinking I've never tried to write a book before. I'm, I'm just jumping in the deep end. Um, and that's when um, uh, Patty Miller, who I, I did some of her life writing classes, uh, she introduced me to Carolyn Baum. Um, she edited the first draft of my manuscript, which I now know was about double the size of a normal <laughs> manuscript. I, I didn't even know the rules. Um, and she got back to me and said, you know, like obviously there were things I needed to work on, but she said, you know this is pretty good, like you should keep going And I was like, oh, okay, these are the experts um I found it a little bit difficult to believe because I mean writing a book, um, it's it's such a huge thing and I even remember sending an email or two and saying, are you sure like you're not just telling me what I want to hear because, I've written about cancer so maybe maybe you feel a bit sorry for me and you're just being nice um but I I was I was reassured no you you're actually like good at writing keep going so yeah
2: and that's one of the features of the the, the book that, that you've written too I think is that you know you that it has this amazing positivity at times you kind of reading it thinking um I don't understand how you could have remained so positive but and you do say at certain points that it was in one way uh, it was the arts and reading and obviously you, you know you have such a, a love of, of reading and writing as well so it doesn't i mean it doesn't surprise me in any way that you know that you you're you're a great writer um but i guess it's it's interesting too because i think you know we live in a in a world where the arts are not i mean i think particularly in australia they're not held um, with enough value, and people don't necessarily understand what they can do for the human spirit. Um, can you tell? Can you tell? I mean, not everyone will have read the book, but can you talk about um the role that the arts play in your life and have played at certain points in your life?
3: Um, definitely. I I don't know if I should preface this by saying this might sound a bit cliched or you know like like I'm on some mission to make some point to the world but I, I actually believe that the arts creative people who have contributed their work to the world um, those things helped save my life I mean when you have to spend hours and hours days weeks months in hospital um, it's things like you know, uh, musicians, you know, listening to music, uh, reading books, um, going to plays, um, you know, uh, performing in plays, even if it's just amateur theatre, um, you know, uh, looking at books that have artwork. If you can't get to an art gallery, there's we've got plenty of books with art in them. I actually believe that the arts in all its different forms Um, contributed to my survival. I I believe that wholeheartedly Um, because when you are living in a reality that is so awful and you are close to death and you are in pain constantly, um, you, you need these things that uh, take you into other worlds you know you need these people uh, like yourself that can create a whole different realm and you can go and play there for a while and forget where you are um it is so so valuable and it is so important um yeah I, I can't express that enough um you know there there were times where I would you know I would have insomnia for, for months now if if we had no musicians uh I don't know what I would have done in the middle of the night when I couldn't move, but, you know, I had music to listen to or I could watch film. Um, and obviously things like actually being well enough to get myself to the theatre or perform in theatre, obviously reading. Reading's always a good one because, you know, even when you're feeling really rubbish, you can sort of be laying down and proper book like a book up. Um, yeah, so... I, I appreciate all the different forms of art that we have, and like I said, I, I believe they contributed to my survival. Absolutely. And it's,
2: I found it interesting today. I, I, it's been a fair bit of stuff in the media about um, the sense of um, people having gone back during COVID, and the, and the idea of stolen time that's been stolen from people with their careers or whatever it might have been. But I think in the, in the in the context of stolen time, I mean. guess how did how did you not um become bitter or angry about um leukemia popping up at times in your life when it could have gone in such a different direction and you seem to have been able to to turn this round into such a positive a positive uh, thing but it must have taken a lot of work
3: uh it did and I mean sometimes you know that old expression like fake it till you make it sometimes there would be days where where I was faking it I, I would be making jokes and laughing because you know I was around my friends and you know they would be helping hold me up and so I'd be sort of wanting to you know be positive and happy around them but on the inside my body was absolutely killing um and um yeah so it was hard to do but I think both times that i was treated i mean the first time i was nine the second time i was 16 uh there was there was something in me that just switched on to like i don't know i have to i don't know what to call it um it was like this sort of warrior like you have to you have to fight you have to do this um i do not want to die and I will push as hard as I can to stay here um, and to keep existing and and to be alive. Uh, I don't quite know how I did it. Sometimes people say, you know, like it's a really good question to ask how did you stay positive? And and one of the ways that you stay positive is with things like the arts, being able to distract yourself, having really good friends who are protective and supportive, um, you know, all those things, um, they are the things that help you stay positive.
2: And it's, um, I mean, on the, I think there's there's so many questions that I want to ask you off, off that, but um, one, one of them is certainly about i uh, kind of really confronting uh, as a reader of the book um, the way that as much as you say that you had uh, a great and supportive group of friends and clearly your family was very supportive, but the response uh, from other kids in school, um, I found I found it, the, the level of the level of bullying and uh, some of the things that you um, you know you bring our attention to in, in the way that you were treated by the kids really what's devastating and, and and horrible. But it's also surprising. I mean, what do you think makes kids do that? Uh,
3: um, with I, I know the part of the book you are talking about in particular, um, so uh yeah there there was there was a a really bad bullying incident where it was verbal as well as physical abuse and and they were kids that they came after me because I had cancer and I was bald and I looked different and there's a few answers there's a few I guess theories I have about sort of bullying in general the first is is that um people people are afraid of things that they don't understand and people are most certainly afraid. Uh, I, think, I think it's safe to say that cancer and death, are, you know, they're really close friends. And I think sometimes that freaks people out. And when people are scared, it, it's going to bring not it's going to bring the ugly part out in people when people are scared. Um, you know, even anybody who's, you know, uh, experienced anxiety or, you know, uh, those sorts of things it doesn't bring out the best version of you. Um, And with bullying as well, I think uh, the children that did come after me, obviously, um, you know, uh, their parents perhaps hadn't had discussions with them. They perhaps didn't have the education about my illness. They were also really young. They were all under the age of 10. They didn't understand. No one had explained it to them. And the final thing is with bullying, Um, we're always talking about, um, you know, as, as a high school teacher and, and you would know this as well, you know, how, you know, we have to stop bullying, zero tolerance, like tolerance for bullying. But, uh, I know a lot of adults. I have encountered many adults who are bullies, who are just as bad as those children who chased me down. And, you know, we're trying to stop children from bullying when I actually think, it sort of needs to be, let's try and stop everybody from bullying behaviours because children are watching and noticing um, what adults do. We, we all, like, I mean, come on, kids notice so much more than we give them credit for. And yeah, I think with bullying uh, children, Children are going to keep doing it because adults are going to keep doing it as well. So it's a really, really tricky problem. I'm not quite sure we've got a magic wand for that one. Be nice too, but uh, yeah, it's
2: a big question, isn't it? At the yeah, moment? I don't think anyone is born learning and knowing how to be discriminatory or to be, you know, being, to be racist or to be a bully. Um, you, you said it um, at the beginning of our chat um, that you hoped that the book would help. I mean, I think the book can do a lot, a number of different things, and it's because it's, it's a really inspiring read. But I guess I'm curious to know what your, what you, what you really hope uh, this book might be able to do, because when you look about, and we chatted earlier on today, there's not a lot of books that tackle this uh, difficult subject area. There's not a lot of books that go into uh, the detail that you have gone into, which can be um, quite. Uh, it, it's, it, it's a. It, I found it. Uh, as reading some of the, the descriptions of some of the medical procedures around chemotherapy to be um, wow well, I just I, I, I was in awe of the, the fact that you at times didn't even uh, you know use gas or any sort of anesthetic or whatever but um, I guess I, 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 and you know that, without going into the, the details of that now I guess I'm, I'm wondering uh, what, what your, your hopes for the book are in and what it could do that was such a long-winded question.
3: I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. Um, uh, so there's a few things. Like, well, I mean, when I was writing it, I, 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 had no, I had no idea what I was doing. Really, it was just like well, I am just writing these stories, and there was this general I want to help, but exactly how am I doing that? So uh, I guess first and foremost, um, I've been an advocate for the Children's Cancer Institute since I was a 14-year-old girl, um, they're my favourite go-to children's cancer charity, and I do believe they are the people who will, they're the people that are going to find a cure um, and help with getting 100% survival rate for all children uh, with cancer. Um, So I've been advocating for them, um, you know, as a public speaker, as an educational speaker for a really long time, and so I thought Wouldn't it be great if I could put the stuff that I do in these speeches uh, at corporate events and all sorts of things, wouldn't it be good to sort of put that in a book so it's all kept somewhere so people really know what goes on so if they don't understand, um, you know, there's so many cancer charities out there doing all this great work but you know, if someone wanted to really understand why it would be important, then if you want to know exactly what it's like for a kid and a teenager to have cancer, then I was really hoping to make sure I covered that. So I, I did want to educate people because that that advocate part of me is has been in there since I was a teenager. So I couldn't couldn't take that out. Uh, the other thing is there's two other things. I um I want people just generally, like it it doesn't matter if you've got cancer or if you have uh, any sort of challenge. I mean, everyone is going through something. Everyone has their stuff that they're dealing with that at times becomes unbearable. And you think to yourself, I can't keep going. This is too hard. This is too painful whether it's, you know, depression or, uh, you know, a relationship with a person and you think, I can't keep going, I can't do this, I guess I did want to reassure people and show them, look, I have been in situations where the odds were not in my favour and, you know, people, you know, pretty much had me dead and buried and I got through them and if I can do it, then hang on, doesn't that mean that other people could probably do it as well? So I was hoping uh, that the book will help people to realize, you know what? You are stronger than you know. Your mind is stronger, your body is stronger. And when you think that you can't keep going, you actually can, because I've been to that place where I'm like, oh, I don't think my body's gonna, it can't, it can't take any more. And then, then I just push a little bit more and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm still here. Okay, let, let's keep going. Um finally, um. If I was to have one main theme that I would like people to walk away with after reading the book is I'd maybe just on a general sense, like people to think about empathy, um, to think about, you know, how much empathy do you have? What, what's your level of empathy when you interact with other people in, you know, whether it's close family, close friends? total strangers you know uh how often in your day do you think about the way that you're impacting on other people um because other people can can be really really cruel and and i i do show some of that in the book but sometimes you know if we just take a moment and think about perhaps you know maybe not thinking about ourselves so much and go hang on a minute all right, what imprint am I leaving on this person after I've had this interaction, whether it's with, you know, the person at the Coles checkout or whether it's with, you know, a friend or family member, whoever it is, um, you know, maybe just check that empathy level and ask yourself, are you okay with that? Do you think you're factoring in someone else's feelings and situations and being as sensitive to those as you can be? Yeah,
2: that was yeah. a really long answer <laughs> I mean it's it's, it's interesting because I think during the the during the, the various isolations that people have experienced here we have become more acutely aware of the importance of the interactions and how even the smallest interaction can affect somebody particularly if they don't if they, you know if they're not uh, necessarily having a huge amount of interactions or less interactions than they have before I just wanted to also say because I keep meaning to say it and I get distracted you have this beautiful um, light that's kind of—it's like. Well, I think the the sun, the sun's coming through behind you. And it's, oh,
3: it's, do you want me to? Do you want me to get rid oh, of I it? I love
2: it. No, I'm really. Uh, because enjoying is it, it.
3: Cause if it's affecting, I can shut it. Do you want me to? Do you think no. it's affecting filming? No,
2: not at all. I really okay. like it. It's like
3: Cool. Because right. yeah. <laughs> like, I'm trying. Do you know what I was trying to put my head? Because I thought it might be annoying.
2: <laughs> no, I'm. Like, I'm really. I'm really. I really like it, Um, (laughs) but when I was because I mean, there's that awful incident in the in the book uh, at Miranda Fair in in the shop with the the mother and the daughter, and and it it does. But those sort of things stay 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 with you. And I think um, you know, as a society, the the idea of empathy um, and being compassionate is is something that it's it's I think it's it's easy to it's easy to talk about, and it's an ideal. But I think some people maybe don't quite know how to how to be compassionate um, and you know your your, the, your your book is so inspiring in that sense because i think it must there must be a temptation as well um, when, when you have when you make close friends with other people who have uh, cancer um, that you know to, to to make it all about yourself and to not reach out and to be supportive um, and to not be kind. it seems almost like there's a kind of family of of people who um, who, are, who are going through a journey that's always not going to necessarily be the same, but similar, and that there's a lot of comfort to be found in that. But then, to to invest in that and to then have those people not make it um, must must have really thrown that into question too. And it's 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 remarkable that you um, you know you kind of never lost uh, you, the, you never lost faith. But it's I think you know it's a great lesson in compassion as well because it must have been just extraordinarily difficult. See, I've just matched your really long-wordy answer with a very long-wordy comment. It's not really a question. Um,
3: <laughs> but,
2: uh, I mean, just, Jude, do you want to say anything or should I ask you the next question?
3: That- um, I guess, you know, like I, with, I mean, I, I lost a lot of friends and I obviously couldn't write a book about every single one of them and I... I mean, by the time I was eighteen, I had been to at least eighteen funerals, and they were all for, you know, children or teenagers. You know, the teenagers are still children. Um, teenagers may not like hearing that, but but you still are. Um, so, by the time I was eighteen, I had been to so many funerals. But I just, I don't know when you cross paths with somebody else and you know, you, you connect with them and you are in that, that pocket world of the hospital and cancer. I mean, it every time I lost someone, it absolutely ripped me apart. And I still, um, I still feel that pain. I still carry the pain of all of those losses. I remember every single one of them. Um, but I don't know. I just, um, yeah like it, you know after someone died I certainly wasn't thinking oh well I'm not going to make friends with anyone else on on in the hospital like uh, th- that thought wasn't it wasn't on my radar I just yeah uh I don't know if yeah, that was an answer. Uh, <laughs> that was rambling
2: mean, I mean it's a great answer to a question that wasn't very well structured <laughs> <Is> that-
3: <laughs> I like <laughs> us both critiquing our, ourselves as we're doing it
2: oh I mean it's it's, it's, it's interesting too because I was I was I mean, hearing you talk and having read your your work as well, I think you would be a fantastic teacher. And I, and I know you're not teaching at the moment because you've been writing and doing lots of other stuff. But um, as you said too, I think it's something that if it's in your blood, you you kind of you do enjoy. And and I know that you do like you. There's something that's that's really rewarding about teaching as well. But the accounts of um, teachers generally in the book, and and I, I think to to a degree, um, a lot of the um, the health workers in the book are, are there's there, there's varying degrees to which they're either very competent and and very compassionate or then they're not so so much. And I'm I'm kind of curious in that, particularly now that you have actually worked in education as well. Do you think um, you know how, how 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 have things improved? Um, do you think from you know say between the, the first time and your second time did things things change? I know that the hospital had changed, but had the attitude and had the, the sort of level of care improved both within a school and a hospital
3: um I think um I'm not sure that there's a simple yes or no for that I think it, it's like a lot of things sometimes it, it would come down to the individual person that you were interacting with so yeah so in the book there are people and and they were they were such gems like there was uh there was a nurse there was this male nurse called Scott who was he was just a total champion loved his job um all the kids on the ward loved him um and you know he was just one of those people that you know he yeah, he was. You know, I think there's some people in this world. They're 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 so wonderful. You think this person's got to be half angel, half alien, or something because they're just too good to be true. But um, in terms of did I notice like a big change with sort of school um, uh, with with teachers and things like that? Look, I I had teachers that were fantastic. I actually had some teachers personally drop off schoolwork to my house because I kept asking for it. I had, you know, English and drama teachers that, you know, they if they came across a book or a play and they thought, oh, Kirsty might like reading that, that they would drop it off or, you know, give it to a friend to to pass along to me. So and, and that happened both times that I was sick, which which I think is brilliant. I think that's so cool uh that there were there's teachers out there who are like that. Um yeah
2: yeah, yeah. I, I mean i think also and i know we probably haven't got um a, a lot of time l- left but um i think it's a really important book in the context of sexual health and relationships as well um and you know the the, the accounts of the relationship with um chris first and then jay i've got those names right haven't i
3: yeah you have well done
2: no, well, I, it's my job. Um, but, I think that, you know, there's a tenderness and there's a regret about them. There's also something that's very pragmatic and real. And, you know, there's the, you, I feel like you're dealing with so much and, you know, relationships are difficult in, in any instance. But um, I think it's, I, I mean, I guess it's just, just I just want to say that I think it's a really important book in that it's dealing in a very realistic way with teenage relationships. And, and that, I don't know, I mean, is that something that, you set out to do or is it just you know kind of product of who you are and the writer that you are in your story
3: yeah I, I i i'd like to claim that i planned that out but uh i think that was a happy accident i um yeah but i think one of the things that um sometimes i've noticed and, and you know it, uh sometimes grown-ups um we can we can often be dismissive with teenagers and when you know they they say they've got a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you know grown-ups will say oh well you're only 15 or 16 like this isn't a big deal this doesn't but those things they I mean you certainly remember them and they you're you're young they're shaping you they're affecting you um and yeah i would like to say that i deliberately put that in there but it it was yeah that was like i said that that's a that's a nice little um extra thing that if yeah if people can take away something good from that then yeah i'm i'm glad that i wrote about those things because yeah they, it was a bit awkward to write about um and um yeah one of those characters so um yeah so uh chris um he's I actually spoke to him um recently um and and he's lovely and he's great and uh i don't think he's read the book yet um but uh yeah i <laughs> it, it was a little bit awkward like to say to him oh look i'm going to put you in a book and yeah i'm going to write about you know that that you you kissed me and it, yeah so but uh yeah. yeah just coming back to you mentioning you know with teenagers and you know relationships and our sexuality and all that stuff I think adults that they don't realize I I don't know what happens like if we forget or but all of that stuff is is going on with teenagers I don't know maybe parents just don't want to think that their kids are are hooking up with with anybody I don't know if hooking up's cool anymore um yeah I, I don't know what that is yeah
2: no, it's uh, my name, uh, and i think that the, the, it's, it's such a reality check in so many ways too and, and you know again with you with all that's going on for you you're you're also wanting to um well well be able to to understand your background and to be understand your you know to understand that that you know you had a great grandmother who was indigenous and um i think that again it's it's well, it's I think it's about the change that's going maybe going on in Australia. I hope where you know we look back at uh, we look back and um, and have to acknowledge the truth of all all that's come before in order to be able to actually um, move forward personally and kind of in a wider sense. But um, I'm kind of curious too in what your take what your what your take about uh, what your take on Australia uh, is now. Um, you know, do, are you proud um, of where Australia is going, the things that you'd like to see change? Is there another book that you might, you know, kind of be brewing? But that's a side side thing. Again, I'm curious just about your take on what it is to be um, an Indigenous Australian. And and that'll do
3: properly. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Sorry>. Well, <laughs> I guess, uh, I mean, one of the things I write about in the book is the, you know, when I was growing up, I, I didn't know I was Aboriginal and I've actually been talking to people lately and there are a lot of people who they have Aboriginal ancestry and I'm, I'm really hoping that some of these awful things that have gone on are maybe helping people starting to talk a little bit more. Um, I know that, you know, especially uh, within, you know, the Aboriginal community, uh, one of the things that i write about in the book is that you know my mother was always very guarded she didn't uh she denied being Aboriginal for a long time but there is a reason why she was doing that um you know there's you know th- there is this horrible history um and you know it was it was quite normal for people from her generation to you know to to deny being Aboriginal and in the book you know she uh my mum used to say that we were Italian and that was that's a common a common lie that um I think uh Sally Morgan in her book My Place um her mother and grandmother I think were telling the same lie about um their ancestry so I yeah I hope that if anything people are starting to talk about yeah their ancestry and who they are and where they're from because it, it does you know the more I sort of learned about my background it was it was like kind of um you I feel like people need to know where they come from who they are what they're connected to and often when you find that piece of the puzzle you you almost go oh like I knew it, like I, I kind of, like there was something in me that kind of felt like there was this thing and now that I know it, isn't this great? Um, and I can learn about it and I can talk to other people about it. Uh, and
2: recognizing it as well, like that, that you know, that that's lovely moment in the, the, the book when um, you're called sister by that group of girls and how, yeah, anyway... Um, we're getting. We are getting um, a message. I think to say that we need to um, to wrap up. It's been such a such a great pleasure and um, to be able to have a chat with you. And congratulations on Honey Blood. It's a really astoundingly honest and beautiful book. and Thank you.
3: Oh, thank, thank you, you so thank much. You. Yeah, thank you for taking the time tonight. I know you've had a busy day, so I really, really appreciate you
1: taking the time for me this evening. Yeah, thank you so much. Love your work. I love your work. (laughs) Lachlan, thank you for joining us. On behalf of HarperCollins, on behalf of Readings, it's been a treat to have you as part of the Readings program. To you, Kirsty, there's so much that I want to say to you. There's so much that I want to thank you for, but mainly, but mainly, really, I just want to say on behalf of Readings, on behalf of all of our listeners, I want to express my my deepest gratitude to you for sharing a story that means that other people will be able to learn a little, take a little and give a little. Thanks, mate. Thank you.
0: You can stream previous episodes of The Readings Podcast on our website, where you'll also find all kinds of bookish recommendations and plenty of great books, music, film and TV. While there, you could sign up to our e-news or to receive the free monthly print newsletter, The Readings Monthly. Production and music for this podcast was provided by Tom Hoskins. All of our podcasts are recorded and produced on the lands of the Kulin Nation. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of this land and that sovereignty was never ceded.